So we're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 uh, this morning. If you turn there in your Bibles. It says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. And charitable deeds here is comes from the word alms or translates alms in some of your Bible and it means deeds of mercy or to show mercy. And the issue that Jesus is dealing here with is the wrong motivation. Verse 2, therefore, whenever it's a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. It's an adverb that's logical consequence following. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, it's not presuming that you wouldn't, but that when you do it, it's presuming that we would be generous and a generous people. Jesus expects us to be generous. Amen. To be charitable, to have acts, show acts of mercy. Um, and says, so, so therefore, when you do charitable deeds, acts of mercy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Now, Matthew was, he, he uses the word hypocrite a whole lot. And it has to do with someone who makes believe. Someone who puts on a charade. So we don't want to do it as the hypocrites that the Pharisees would, when they would fast or do things, they would draw attention to themselves. Uh, when they would fast, they would put ash on and they would tear their clothes and they would walk through the street. Oh, it's me. Wouldn't talk to anybody. Wouldn't address anybody. They wanted everybody to know that they were fasting. Why? Because they, they were proud that they were religious. They wanted people to see that they went to church and that they were religious. And they wore the right clothes. I, I hesitated in wearing these today because I knew I'd probably pick up some harassment. There's no skin showing. People said they're going to take up a collection for my jeans. I like my jeans. You know, but, but they dressed up and had long robes and tinkle bells on their garments. And they would tinkle where they would go. And they would stand and pray long prayers. To draw attention, but they were putting on an act. And guys, we need to make sure as Christians that we are not putting on an act that we're Christian. So how do I know? That when you leave here, are you obeying Jesus? In your life, are you obeying the Lord? Through reading the word, prayer, giving, all those things. Because if you're not, then you're just putting on a show. And when you do do those things, if you are wanting people to look at you and, Oh, I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you uh, do as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So when you do it for attention... When you give and let people know uh, for pride reasons and for attention, that's your reward. That men go, oh, he's such, a, he's such a, 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 a religious person. That's your reward. I don't want that kind of reward. How about you? If I fast and put that in and suffer that pain, I don't want man's reward. I want God's reward. Amen? I want to be drawn closer to God. I don't want men to look at me. Amen? Uh, if I'm going to give, I don't want men to go, oh, he's such a giver. I want God to see it, not man to see it. I want God's reward, not man's reward. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. Verse 3, but when you do, not if you do, but when you do a charitable gift. Everybody say, I'm to do charitable gifts. Now, there's nothing wrong with being tight, but some of y'all are so tight. You're, you're pinching pennies, you're pinching quarters, you're pinching. I mean, you, you're pinching it, stretching them dollars. 
And, and I understand, you know, you got your budget, but you need to also make room to be charitable. When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it's an interesting, it's a powerful illustration. How, I'm, I'm right hand, I'm left hand. How am I going to not know what my right hand and my left hand is doing? That when you walk away, you are not proud that you did it. Amen. That you forget about it. God speaks to you and tells you to write out a check to somebody or a missionary or a person in the church. And you give it, uh, when, when you walk away, you forget about it and you let God deal with it. You with me? It's a powerful, so I, 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 I don't let my right hand know what my left hand doing. My left hand doing what my right hand doing, which means I walk away and I forget it. I am not, there's not pride, self-pride in the equation. Isn't that good? Let's give Jesus a hand. That's a good little saying there, right? I love the word of God. Don't, don't, let, let, don't uh, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Everybody say reward. reward. That we will be rewarded when we do those things. That's the good news too. Amen. And it's not necessarily financial. It's all kinds of things. Your children serving God is one of those blessings. Amen. Amen. Health. We all know health is a blessing, right? Especially as we're getting older. Some of you are far beyond where I am, but I'm experiencing a lot of those things, right? When the doctor bills are higher than your mortgage, you know. Verse 5, and when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. So they would be off to the synagogue or to the temple to pray. And what they would do is what we'll see a lot of times with people that are, you know, the Bible says everything's to be done decently in order. But, you know, we've all been there and where people are, you know, they'd be on their way to the temple. And all of a sudden they just stop and just start praying out loud in public. And they walk a little bit farther. And oh, I just can't wait to get down. And they're praying out loud so that everybody sees them. Drawing attention to themselves. Uh, that they might be seen, but surely I say to you that they have their reward. And now the Bible doesn't condemn prayer in public. Of course, we're to come together and pray, but in talking about private prayer or people drawing attention to themselves, Jesus is dealing with this. In first, uh, the pretenders, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, and a tongue. Has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done in, for edification. So he's talking about the pretenders that are doing it for pride's sake. You with me this morning, everybody here? And we're going to get to the meat of the sermon in just a second. We're trying to get down to the Lord's Prayer. But verse 6, we're putting it in context. It says, but, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your inner room. And the inner room was the storage place. It was the secret room. It's a place where you store your most precious treasures. And it has to do with the treasure of prayer in our lives. It's not really important where. And I know as we grow up, uh, uh, many of you guys walking with the Lord. There's been times when I've prayed. I lived out on a farm and, and I would walk on the gravel roads at night. And they had the kind of like the Clydesdales. They had black Clydesdales with hairy feet. And we would, uh, those precious times of prayer. Out, if, I guess if people saw me, they probably thought I was nuts. But just well, join the club. Right? Times of praying outside. Have you ever laid on a car, laid on the ground, and, and just prayed looking at the stars and the, the, the majesty of the universe? But it has to do with getting a time where we are setting time, especially in the age in which we live. That secret place has to do with shutting the door where we are getting the distractions going. Getting the distractions out of our life. Making time to pray. 
And we've become so busy, TV, and then there's, then there's the computer, and then there's our cell phone. We can get texts, we can get phone calls, we can get message, we can get all ways of contacting us today to shut all those things out and take time to pray and spend time with God. When you pray, go into your inner room, the place that's most treasured. And when you have, shut your door, set the distractions aside. Psalms 91 one says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's important. We see Peter in Acts 10, 9. It says, the next day as they went up on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. It's not important where. It's important that we do it and that we're sitting aside the distractions. Pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will repay you. Pray means to entreat, to ask. It's all kinds of things, but it's spending that time meditating. And then it says this word repay. Everybody say repay. Well, it's, it's, you know, the thing about it is, is that if you pray, there's a promise in God's word that you'll get repaid. See, if you understand, guys, uh, you know, people say, oh, the cost of prayer. They make it like prayers. No, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything to pray. Everything that we have is heaven's cost. Jesus paid it all. All you have to do is take the time. And if you'll take the time, it fills you up. It brings peace in your life. It brings joy in your life. Fellowshipping with the Father. The Bible says that he will repay us if we pray. The word repay there can be fulfill. Can be payment. But God will bless you if you will take some time this month. As you're fasting, we're fasting to draw closer to God and spend that time with him. You will get repaid by God. It's a promise in his word. Everybody say repay. The word repay means in the Greek here means to reward, to cause to happen. It's a natural consequence of prayer and that God will cause it to happen in your life. Say God's making it happen for me. Come on, you guys, come on. We, I know it's January and, you know, it's some weird weather. But come on, God's causing it to happen. When I pray, God rewards me. We get in that secret place and close that door. Verse 7, it says, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions. As the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you. And, and the word uh, repetition means babbling. Just praying to hear yourself, praying uh, with no direction. And so when we, when we say the Lord's Prayer, as we're getting here, you know, a lot of churches will pray the Lord's Prayer again and again and again and again. But Jesus wasn't saying pray this prayer exactly word for word. He's saying this is a pattern of prayer. That when you go into the secret place, here's a pattern that when you pray, that's a, an effective model or effective way to pray when you come before the Father. So we're in verse 9. Everybody's got their Bible out, I hope, because you'll need this at home. If you haven't had the Lord's Prayer memorized, and it depends on, I guess, what translation you have it memorized in. But can we say it together? Why don't we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. So, you know, the fact that I'm old and my brain was able to do that, you can do it too, right? It's a powerful means. I use it all the time. I use that. I use that pattern because that's what Jesus said to do. So what's the pattern as we get here? Uh, so we're in, we're in verse number nine. Pray then in this way, Jesus says. Not pray this exact prayer, but here's the model of prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So first of all, we're going to say our Father. Now, first of all, this would have been mind-blowing to the Jews at this time. To be able to, they wouldn't even say the word Yahweh, much less claim that God was their father. So to say our father has to do with the availability of God. Now I want to tell you that if you try to get a hold of me and I've got stuff going on, it might be very hard to get come see me. If you just showed up at my house or my office, I might not answer the door. You might text me. And it might fall way down on that list like hundred, I mean it's just going to keep just ticking on down unless I, unless I have the time to answer it. You might call me, and, and I might just put you on hold or ignore it. That's, I hate the phone. I'm, I'm tell you, I, I think about throwing my phone in the trash every day. I feel like I'm harnessed. Are you with me? Come on, guys. 24-hour days, seven days a week. You can catch me in 15 different ways. But I may not answer. And if I do, I may not give you much time. I might give you all the time, but I may not. But I guarantee you that if my daughter comes to my office, she's going to walk right in. She don't have to knock. She's just going to walk right in. My son needs something. He comes and it's urgent and he calls me. I'm going to answer my phone because he's my son and I'm his father. And so all of a sudden in the Jewish mind, the position and it's a position of relationship, not of anything that I did, but because of my relationship with Jesus Christ who died upon Calvary, I asked him into my heart. The Bible says that I'm a adopted that he put his spirit in my spirit. Wherefore, I cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. That now I can come in and I can go sit on God's lap and I can talk to him. I can have access to his presence. But those without Christ do not have that access. So when we pray, we need to recognize who I am in Christ. Our Father, Daddy God. Also notice this, that in the, in the passage it uses ours and us's. That when we're praying for these things, I'm not praying selfishly for myself only. I'm asking for everybody. I'm recognizing that there's a body of Christ that has access to the Father. Can I get an amen? So I say our Father, my heavenly Father, God in heaven. He's the creator of the universe that I have access to. He's the one that holds all things together that I have access to. Romans 8.15 says this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption to whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Daddy God. Daddy God. I'm getting hot in here. We got to turn, this down, turn the heat down. Y'all come back. Put the AC on. Daddy God. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And this is our Father who art in heaven. When we talk about in heaven, we're saying that our Father is bigger than your Father. When we're saying our Father who art in heaven, we're talking about all-powerful God. Come on now. 
We're talking about all-knowing God. We're talking about the unchanging God that I can have access. We're talking about the God that is undefeatable. He is God Almighty. Now, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I walk into the Presbyterian church? Turn Adam. I'm going to start that again. I'm getting sweaty up here. You can get sweaty too. Come on now, church. Because you just said, you know why? Because you've heard the Lord prayer so much. It's just going over here. Oh, I've heard it before. No, you heard it, but you didn't get it. You heard it, but you didn't get it. Because if you understood that the God, creator of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging, who died on Calvary, now he's your father. You know what? That, that revelation alone will cause you to pray. For those that don't pray, if you'll just get a revelation that he's your God, is your father, that alone will change your prayer life. All powerful, undefeatable. Why is that? Because when I was praying, I just Holy Spirit. Because some of you got a mess in your life and you need to pray. You have not because you asked not. You got a mess in your life because you've not been praying and you haven't been casting your cares on Him and you need to get on your knees in the secret place and you need to pray so that God will hear you and reward you. Fulfill the prayers that you request. Amen, Pastor Bobby. Hallelujah. Preach it, Pastor Bobby. It's January, Pastor Bobby. Don't you know where it's January? We're in the January slump. There ain't no slump in God. Amen. Because we're serving the all-powerful. And it says, hallowed be your name. Hallow means to be sanctified, holy, and pure. Set apart. It means that we're to praise him and worship him when we pray. And if you'll take note that we don't ask for anything yet. We recognize God as our Father. We come into his presence. We praise him and worship him. It's way on down before we even get to ask. And it's only one line when we ask. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's it. Oh God, give me a Mercedes. He ain't asked. That's not in there. Oh God, make me filthy rich. No, no, no. It's not in there. Hallowed be the name. And when we talk about the name of God. God reveals himself through, from the old, from Genesis all the way to Revelations by the things that he does. In the Old Testament, there's a compound name used with Jehovah, which is covenant God, which has to do with Jesus. Covenant God, covenant making and covenant keeping God. And there's hundreds of names in the Old Testament where he uses Je- Je- Jehovah and another name. One of the names you've all heard, this Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Come on, you with me this morning? Jehovah Jireh, our provider is great. <laughs> Remember the day when we used to do the, the Jewish sounding songs and we also danced in circles? No, we, I didn't do that, but Jehovah Jireh, our provider, which means he revealed himself as providing and you might have, have need this morning. Let me know that your father is your provider. He's your source, not your job. Jehovah Jireh, this is Jehovah Tiskanu, our righteousness. Jehovah Makedesh, which is God who sanctifies. He's making me more like Jesus. God, godliness, holiness. Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. Who needs healer, healing tonight? Come on now. Jehovah Nissi, my better, which means he goes out before battle. He's in front of me when we go to fight. 
How many people are in a spiritual warfare? If you got family members that are not serving Jesus, you're in spiritual warfare. He's going to fight the battle for you. But if you don't pray and seek him and hollow his name, you're leaving him on the sidelines. Coach, your best player in your life is sitting on the sidelines because you're not bringing him into your life because you're not praying. Verse 10, come on now, listen, this is the word of God. This isn't Pastor Bobby. This is the word of God. Young people say they don't believe there's any truth anymore. There's only absolute truth found in God's word. They say that science has all the facts. Folks, science changes every year. It's called, the evolution is the theory of evolution. They haven't even got that figured out. I'm going to tell you right now, this is God's word. It will work in your life. Activated by faith when you believe it. And it goes on and says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying, we're praying not only for the future kingdom, thy kingdom come. By the way, for those of you that know Jesus and love Jesus and are obeying Jesus, there's going to come a time very soon, right after the rapture, called the millennial reign. For 1,000 years, Jesus will reign in Jerusalem on the throne of David. And the good news that those of us that are serving Jesus when he comes back, we will for 1,000 years reign in this earth as princes and kings and rule this world. That's my interpretation. Don't say that's not biblical, but I'm just saying we're going to rule and reign. That's all it says. All I know is we're going to be working with Jesus and ruling for 1,000 years. And after that, then we get to go to heaven on earth for eternity. And all those things are, that's why, you, that's why you see the love of many growing cold. That's why we see mamas, that mother that killed her four-year-old daughter. That's why you see the crazy, the world is coming unhinged. When you see things like that happening, look up to heaven because Jesus is coming back soon. Can't know the day or the hour, but we can know the season of his return. Then it goes on. Now we've been talking all, now we're finally to the part that we want to get to. Many of us do. Give us this day our daily bread really god that's it jesus just some bread that's all you want me that you know why jesus wants you to ask for bread because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and when we are praying for jet planes and money you got your mind on yourself not the kingdom i don't believe i honestly I do not believe that our prayer time is to be spent asking for things. Listen, if you got food, money, and a house over your head, and you got your bills paid, don't be asking for things. Ask for the kingdom. That's what matters. Pray eternal prayers. Pray prayers that will last forever and ever, that when you get to heaven, there'll be people, there'll be a line. This is don't teach you a line from paying all these brothers and sisters in, from praying for them. Come on now. Don't teach you going to be doing Holy Ghost step all around them people. And don't be making fun of my dancing. I get I got I, I off the po- people making fun of my dancing. Disclaimer: I might say anything. Who knows what's going to be said? We're family here. Don't go. What happens here stays here. <laughs> Except for the fact we do put it on the internet. But anyway, oh, here's a good one. Some of y'all just get your toes out because I know you're going to get stepped on. I had a church. My church. My church. In Indiana, I had this lady. She had gone to a church and got hurt. And I understand, goes, when we get hurt, it takes a while. 
And I, I, I had a guy in, uh, in high school, uh, we, when I wasn't serving the Lord Jesus, I was driving. My mom and dad aren't here. You pray for my daddy's in the hospital. But, but uh, so I could tell this story. Brand new car. Went somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be. Cack party. And there was a whole bunch of guys beating up one guy. And as intelligent as I was, I thought, oh, I should get out and try to break it up. <laughs> hey, I'm one guy. I should break up the fight. And guess what happened to me? I got my lip put through my teeth. I got 12 stitches in the side of my head. Well, I wanted to kill that guy. I mean, I planned it out. I knew where I was going to kill him, where I was going to take him. I searched for him. Even when I went to school, I'd come home on the weekends and look for him. But he knew he's hiding. Finally, I got saved and I realized I had to forgive him. Oh, man. You know what I did? I got a chair out and I set it in front of me. And I'd say his name, but I'm not going to say it because you all probably know him. And you go tell him you come to church, I had to whip him at church. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I just love him with Jesus. I just say his name. God, I forgive. I forgive. I had to do it every day because I knew that I had to forgive him. I knew that if I didn't forgive him, God wouldn't forgive me of my sins. And so it put the, and, and I had this lady in my church. She kept getting cancer. She couldn't figure out why. She'd gone to a church, got hurt, and she hated and hated the pastor and the board. And I told her, I pulled my finger out. She's a little scrawny, blunt, real dark, like the tan a whole lot. And I said, You have to forgive. Oh, no, I'm not. And I preached sermons like this on forgiveness, and finally she left the church. She got cancer again and wondered why she's getting cancer. I believe that unforgiveness is eating away at her. As Christians, it's a mandate that we forgive those. I don't care what the hurt is. I don't care what the sin is. Until you forgive, you are the one held in bondage. Forgiveness is for you, not them. Everybody say, forgiveness, forgiveness. is for me. If I don't forgive, I'm held in bondage, guys. And I know it's hard sometimes to forgive. I mean, it's really hard to forgive people, especially sometimes family members. It got real quiet in here, especially husbands and wives. I know of a, in, when I pastored in Indiana, I never pastored in Indiana. So friends of mine, I was working with this couple. Then they were friends of ours when they first got married. He dropped her, carrying her over his shoulder. And from that point on, she struggled with unforgiveness towards him. Seven years later, they ended up in divorce. And then I didn't find out until after the divorce that that unforgiveness was there because I said, if I had known that, I could have solved your marriage problems. It's for you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're not forgiven because we forgive but we must forgive because we've been forgiven. We don't forgive to get to heaven, but we must forgive because he forgave us. And you can do it because you have the mercy and the love of God shed abroad in your heart to do it. Forgive your sister and your brother and forgive your father and your mother. Forgive your pastor and the board members and all those people that have hurt you. Forgive and let go and God will move in your life. You will find freedom. 
You say, well, Pastor Bobby, what about the people that abuse me? I, I couldn't imagine, but I know you can do it with God. And it could be a testimony. Verse 13, and do not lead us into, I love the word of God. Do not lead us into temptation. The word us, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the word evil there can be translated evil or worldly evil or the evil one. I take it as both. That's why it's so important, so important to pray. Father, not for me, for us. Lead us not. God, keep my son and my daughter and my wife and my family members away from temptation. Keep my church out of temptation. Lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. Those that are bound by the, listen, folks, there's people that are struggling and it's evil that's got a hold of them. And they call themselves Christians living in sin. We need to pray that God opens their eyes and delivers them from the evil one. God gave us that job. How many people here know Christians right now that aren't here today because they were probably drinking last night? Amen on me. Pastor Bobby, don't get on that one. There's no, oh, no, I don't know about that. Come on. People living in sin. Christians living in sin together. How important. God, don't lead this church into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Come on, can you think of somebody right now that you need to pray for that? Raise your hand. If you can think of somebody that needs to be, come on, you need to be, that's why you need to pray. Because when you pray, God will reward you and set them free. The reward part of it will be the fulfillment of the prayer is when you see people that don't know the Lord in your family coming to church, getting saved. And they don't have to come to this church. They just got to go to a church that preaches the word. Believes that what the Bible says is true. Believes that this is absolute truth. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Which is again... Worship and praise. I start with praise. I end with worship and praise as I pray. Verse 14, he emphasizes again. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. I mean, what... An important message from Jesus. Say, well, what happens if I'm a believer and I'm living in sin and I have unforgiveness? What happens is it cuts off your fellowship with the Father. And you know right now, say, well, I'm not, right now you're sitting here and you know right now the Holy Spirit is bringing some issues of unforgiveness to people in this church. And the way you handle it, like David handled it. He was a murderer and he was an adulterer, but he was quick to repent and that's why God loved him. So the moment that, you, that, that the Holy Spirit brings it as you're sitting there, make it right. God, I forgive so-and-so in your heart right now. Just immediately repent and begin to make that right. Can I get an amen? I, I want to do something that I'm excited about. I want to go, I want to, go to a couple passages that, that some of my favorite passages on prayer in Luke and Matthew. All right, so in Luke. Luke has actually done, he te- Jesus teaches about two years before in Luke on the Lord's Prayer. But then in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse number 5. 
Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Two illustrations. Jesus teaches the Lord prayer. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. And I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. I'm laying in my bed at night and my eyes are closed. And I got my babies in bed with me. Mama's in bed with me. I guess it must have been a pretty big bed. Well, the family was small. But anyway, so they're in bed, and they hear from outside the window from Jeff Serber yelling, Bobby, Bobby, Baker, get up. Jeff, I'm in my nighty. My kids are in bed. Get up. I need some bread. Bart Riddle's come over to my house, and he's hungry. Get up. I'm sleeping. Get up. Get up, 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 get up. Are you awake? Pastor, are you awake up there? I need some bread for Bart Riddle. Can you wake up, Pastor Bobby? Can you wake up? No, I'm not. Can you wake up, Pastor Bobby? Couple minutes. Hey, I'm still here. I need some bread. No one's going to beat me like a mule if I don't come home with some bread. I'm not going anywhere until I get some bread. Jesus said that's how we're supposed to pray. Instead of knocking on the window, say, hello, Pastor Bob. I need some bread. I'm in bed. Okay, I'll see you later. I'll check with Oprah. I'll check with Dr. Oz. I'll go on the internet and search for it. No, you keep praying. And then he gives another illustration. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. So the answer is on its way. You got to just keep knocking. You got to keep searching until the answer comes. You can't give up on your grandkids. You can't give up on your spouse. You can't give on that, up on that thing that you've been praying about and praying about and praying about and praying about. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep yelling. Don't walk away from God. Keep praying until the answer comes through because his word is always true. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're praying for money, it ain't coming. If you ain't working, it ain't coming. You work, you'll get it. You reap what you sow. Now, God's going to take care of our needs, but he don't want you to be filthy rich because the love of money is the Drug addiction is the root. It starts at the root for the love of money. Every major sin, it's, it starts here. Get rid of money, there'd be no prostitution. There'd be no sex trade. There'd be no drugs. There'd be no jewels. Come on now, church. There'd be no internet. There'd be no movies. Amen or on me? Everybody stand up.